Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. Welcome back to another edition of the My Two Cents Podcast. I am your host, G2, and this is episode 154. First thing I want to say is, happy holidays to everyone that's um, enjoying the holiday spirits. This week on Thursday was Hanukkah, or at least the beginning of the Hanukkah tradition for the Jewish community. So I would like to say happy Hanukkah to them. And for people that are not celebrating uh, Hanukkah, I would like to say happy holidays. Merry Christmas to everybody. We're not Christmas yet. Christmas is still within another, what, two weeks now? But I would like to say uh, happy holidays as we're in the holiday tradition. People have their trees. People have their um, houses decorated. I just want to get that out the way first and foremost. Um, Yeah, I just wanted to say all that before I start getting into everything. So with that getting out the way, let's start off to it. Uh, I want to get off into the National Food Days of the Week. Today being December 10th, it is National Lager Day. So please drink responsibly. Tomorrow, December the 11th, it is National Noodle Ring Day. Then December 12th, it is National Poe and National Cocoa Day. Then December 13th, it is National Ice Cream Day. December 14th, National Booyah Best Day. Then December 15th, National Cupcake Day. And then to round us off for December 16th, it is National Chocolate Covered Anything Day. Now, sticking with the food uh, topics right now, I want people to know that apparently Goldfish is coming out with their own like type of potato chip. They're going to be calling them crisps. Uh, the three flavors that are going to be coming out is salt and vinegar, sour cream and onion, and their original cheddar. You're supposed to be getting them in your local supermarkets. What I believe they say on December 15th. Yeah, they say right, the new snag will be released on Walmart.com. Oh, in December 15th. In January 2024, you'll be able to find them in retailers nationwide. So if you want to start trying to get this, well, crisp, you can go to Walmart.com December 15th and start ordering the item. They will be costing you at least $4.75 each. So if you wanted that bag, go ahead and do it. I would just say wait until like January. You'll see them in all your uh, supermarkets, retail stores, and just wait for that. But I had to throw it out there again. Not an ad. This is just me just throwing some out there to you guys because people are actually infatuated with goldfish i'm not the biggest goldfish guy i'm not the biggest uh cracker based type guy like the goldfish the um cheese it's all those type of things i'm not the biggest fans of those but whenever they turn them into like crisp or chips formations then that's when i'm like okay i'll at least try those out because the crackers they always like give me a like a nasty taste in my mouth and when i did eat them so that's why i'm like always saying no to those same thing with popcorn Popcorn I don't eat because I get crap stuck in my teeth and it's like a pain in the absolute butt just to get them out of my teeth to get it out. So that's another reason why I don't even eat popcorn. But again, uh, for people that want to try out these Goldfish Crisp chips, December 15th, Walmart.com. Go ahead and order them if you want it. But I would just say wait until uh, sometime in January 2024, then you can uh, get them in your local retail stores. And sticking with the food topics here, I want to talk to you guys about something that uh, CNN did publish. They will put out that a woman who threw a bowl of food at Chipotle now has to work at that fast food uh, job for two months. As it was reported, uh, Rosemary Hine berated Chipotle worker Emily Russell on September 5th and then throwing the food in her face at a close range went viral after the incident. Hind, a 39-year-old mother of four, pleaded guilty to a misdemeanor assault charge and received the sentence last week in Ohio. The judge gave her the choice of 90 days jail sentence or a 30-day sentence on top of 60 days working in a fast food job. So she decided to take that fast food job, so now she has to work there for two months. So I think that should be a thing that a lot of judges give people. Yeah, she's still going to be going to jail, quote-unquote, for 30 days. But she has to work at a fast food spot for two months so she can at least walk a mile in certain uh, people's shoes, especially the fast food workers shoes, because a lot of fast food workers, they get berated by a lot of customers they get berated by people um, every single day just because one order gets messed up or 
something isn't to their liking and then that person comes around and just starts shouting at them. I'm pretty sure you've seen a lot of viral videos of people just getting into fast food workers' uh, faces, yelling at them over the stupidest of things. Sometimes it ain't even that serious. And a lot of the times, some of the fast food workers, they just eat it and just try to stay calm while the person's still berating them. Or they just match that person's energy and then you start seeing things get into a, a fight in the tizzy. So with this woman having to now work in a fast food uh, store for two months, hopefully she'll gain some compassion, gain some type of uh, understanding for what the fast food workers have to go through on a day-to-day -day basis with some unruly customers. Because I can tell you right now, just being a person that's been in places with unruly people and seeing how they react to an order getting messed up or somebody forgetting something out of their bag or whatever may have you, it's not the funniest thing because a lot, of, as I said before, a lot of these things are so minuscule that you shouldn't really be tripping about it. But a lot of people, they just don't got time. They just become real short fuse and start getting real angry. And uh, now with her having to do this work for the next two months, as I said, hopefully she has some compassion for the fast food workers. Now, moving on to the condolences. First condolences that I have to read out today is actor Ryan O'Neill, star of Love Story, Paper Moon. He dies at the age of 82, as the Associated Press would put out. Um, his son would say, Friday, my dad passed away peacefully today with his loving team by his side, supporting him and loving him as he would us. Um, no cause of death was given. Ryan O'Neill was diagnosed with prostate cancer in 2012, a decade after he was first diagnosed with chronic leukemia. And Associated Press will put that out just to let people know of uh, Ryan O'Neill's medical history, what he was dealing with, not at the time, but what he dealt with previously. Again, no uh, cause of death was given, but they had to put that out there. And I understand why. Um, for someone to die at the age of 82 or pass away, excuse me, at the age of 82, um, I would say you had a good life. Or I think that's what the general consensus would be for someone to pass away in their 80s, 90s. People would say, man, that person lived long. They had a nice uh, life. They were able to experience things during the time, especially when you think about it, the 70s, the 80s. Uh, you experience things that a lot of people are not able to experience now and probably will never be able to experience again. Um, but yeah, for him to pass away at age 82, um, I know his family members are probably having a hard time with it. And I think you shouldn't. But again, I'm not the person that lost a family member here. Um, I just want to give my condolences to these people. I hope that they are able to... Um, recover from this. It is the holiday time. It is the holiday season. Hopefully this doesn't get into their holiday plans and hopefully they are able to not look at this as a bad thing, but look at this as a celebration. Every holiday season, when it's time for it, you're going to remember your loved one and uh, look at this as a way to remember them. Don't look at it as a way to uh, be sad by it. Just try to be cheery up and say, this person won't want me to be sad around here. They will want me to be happy and try to just live out and celebrate them the best way you can this holiday uh, season. Next up, Norman Lear, TV legend. He dies at the age of 101. As I said, people dying at 80s, 90s, and with Norman Lear here dying at 101, they've had a great life. Norman Lear, he is credited for helping revolutionize the American uh, comedy uh, television genre. Apparently, he was known for... Sanford and Sons, All in the Family, um, One Day at a Time, uh, Different Strokes. I mean, he has a lot of different credentials under his resume. So this man deserves all the praise for what he can get because television at that time was nothing but a family sit-down event. You had to sit down at a TV, watch television, and actually commiserate with each other. And at that time, you probably had to go to the office the next day because you know People at the office probably watched the television show and you guys were able to sit down with each other to have that conversation at the office and all that type of stuff. So Norman Lear, he helped change American comedy TV. So you got to give him his respect. But him dying at or passing away at 101, again, that's another remarkable feat. Because not a lot of people get to uh, go at 101. People die now in this day and age extremely younger than that. So... 
uh, again, him dying this past Tuesday. I hope his family, his loved ones, people that he worked in the entertainment industry are able to not look at this as a sadness thing, but look at this as a celebration. Try to celebrate him as much as uh, you can. And if you are a fam, all in the family, which I was personally, even though I'm at the age of what, 27 right now, there was a time where me and my family used to watch, where was the show? Not show, but the cable uh, network that had all the old TV shows. It wasn't Turner. It was, uh, God, it was something on it because it had all the old TV shows on there. It had like uh, All in the Family, Jefferson, Sanford and Sons. I can't remember the station right now, but we will always watch uh, All in the Family. Archie Bunker, he was stupid. I found that racist white dude funny and stupid at the same time because you always get into some type of arguments and just to know that technically the Jeffersons came from all in the family that was something I didn't know about until I watched the show and then my parents had to educate me on that so yeah they came from that show so um again Norman Lear great television mind it's crazy to see the accomplishments and also it's crazy to see and uh notice because when I was doing some looking into it apparently abc cbs all the like the big cable companies they had like a time block you out for to celebrate norman lear like every single big cable like company that was of the big four cbs nbc abc and i believe one more all just like blocked out a time schedule to celebrate norman lear it was at eight o'clock i don't know what date it was but it happened this past week so, again, that shows you how much respect in the entertainment industry people have for Norman Lear. So, again, uh, rest in peace to Ryan O'Neill and rest in peace to Norman Lear for everything that they contributed to the entertainment industry. Now, before I talk about the University of Las Vegas um, shooting, I do want to talk about one thing here that I find extremely stupid. A woman was charged with attempting to burn down the Martin Luther King Jr. birth home as this was reported by Fox 5 Atlanta, Atlanta police officers rushed to Martin Luther King Jr.'s birth home in Atlanta just after 5.45 p.m. Thursday after reports of vandalism in progress. They will say two tourists from Utah saw the woman dousing the plant's porch in the front door of the home with what smelled like gasoline. The bystanders told officers they intervened when they saw her try to ignite a lighter. Meanwhile, two off-duty NYPD officers visiting the area were able to detain a woman until Atlanta Police Department officers arrived at the scene. A video shared with Fox 5 shows a woman being detained on the ground by the officers. The name of the woman was released early Friday morning. Atlanta Police identified her as 26-year-old Lanisha Chatrice Henderson. She has been charged with arson in the second degree and interfering with government property. She has been booked into Fulton County Jail. Now, here's my thing with this. Why are you going to burn the home of Martin Luther King Jr., his birth home? That makes no sense to me. That is a historical uh, landmark. That's a historical just home. That is the home of one of the greatest civil rights or even just leaders in general in American history. Why would you want to burn his home? I would like to know her motive for this. I really would. Like, somebody got to explain that to me. I don't think there's no logical reason why you would want to burn down the man's birth home, to be completely honest. I don't. I'm glad that it didn't get burned down because that would have been something like, yo, we would have said, yo, off top, we would have thought, okay, this is a white racist uh, person that wanted to burn down Martin Luther King's home. But no, it was one of our own. It was a black woman that tried to burn down Martin Luther King Jr.'s birth home. That's insane to me. Now, the King Center, they would put out a statement saying, fortunately, the attempt was unsuccessful thanks to the brave interaction of Good Samaritans and the quick response of law enforcement. Our prayers are with the individual who allegedly committed this criminal act. I don't know if I could say, give my prayers out to that, if I was that part of the family. They're better than me. I would be angry and probably have to wait a couple like days and weeks and probably want to talk to the person to figure out why would you want to do that. Again, I'm always a motive-drawn person. Why would you want to try to burn down something historic? That doesn't make sense to me in the slightest, but again, they're better than me. I can say that with my chest open, um, but yeah, I'm hoping that they can get a motive out of her. We can get a motive to figure out why she did what she did, but until then, this was a stupid attempt by someone just stupid, to be completely honest with you. 
Now moving to the next topic here, I want to talk about the University of Las Vegas shooting that happened this past week. For people that are unaware of this, there was a man, Anthony Polito, he was 67. He went to the University of Las Vegas. He ended up shooting four individuals. Three ended up dying. One ended up being wounded. Uh, Anthony Polito, he would get shot by the police officer, well, by police in a standoff. He ended up dying. Um, right now, they say they have no motive for why he did this, but I'm just going to read you something from NBC News. Uh, they said that Anthony Polito had applied for a teaching job in 2020, but was not hired. Two law enforcement officials briefed on the case told NBC News. Anthony Polito mailed letters to nearly two dozen various university personnel throughout the country before the attack. Las Vegas police said Thursday the letters were sent without a return address and a white powder substance, later said to be harmless, was found in the screening of one of the envelopes. So there you go. Also in this article from NBC, they would speak to former uh, students of Polito when he was a professor at the East Carolina University, and they would mention how Polito had an infatuation with Las Vegas. And again, I don't understand a lot of people's motives for why they do what they do, but it just seems to me that this man was obsessed with Las Vegas. It seems that he wanted to be there in all that stuff. It just, it seems that whenever he got denied access of teaching somewhere that he had an obsession with, it seemed that something might have just clicked into his brain. And again, that does not give someone the right to do that. That doesn't give someone the right to uh, just start going off on a tantrum or go off on a shooting spree as this man did just because he got denied somewhere that he was or he had an obsession with. When you have an obsession, you get into another state of mind. You get into a place where that's the only thing you can think about. That's the only thing that you can dream about, speak about, all these type of things. And that's just something that you want. I think that if he would have went to Las Vegas and he would have tried to talk to these people in person, I think it probably would have ended differently, maybe. I'm not so certain. I don't know this man's whole mindset, but I think being denied via email, via mail, whatever the case may be, or even over the phone, I think it hits different than going there in public and being denied. So that's just one thing here. But for him to be 67, and he go to this school and shoot up a school because he got denied access to being a professor there, that's stupid. That's beyond stupidity. Again, an obsession, you get your mind warped, cool, fine. Not really cool and fine, but you get what I mean. But for you to go there and do that to other professors, that's not cool. They did say that he was trying to look for specific people, but he didn't end up seeing them. And the reason why he shot the people that he did shoot was because they were basically just there. He ended up killing other professors there. So... I feel sorry for the professor that ended up just being there in his way. That's a crying shame because that's literally wrong place, wrong time. And that's heartbroken. That's a heart. That's a hard pill to swallow. Whenever you're hearing about this and you hear that your family member ended up getting shot because they were at the wrong place, wrong time. That's hard to swallow. So right now I would like to give the family members of the deceased professors my love and condolences even though that might not mean much right now, I just want to give them that because that, again, as I said, is a hard pill to swallow. You lost a family member. You lost a loved one because of an imbecile who had an obsession. And it's saddening. Now, they did never said who the, who the, um, who the individuals Anthony DiPolito was looking for, but just for him to look for certain individuals, that's crazy too. I don't know if they were the ones that declined him online, the ones declined him in like on the phone or on the mail. I don't know. They said that he was looking for people. They never really gave more into that. But they probably will whenever this uh more information comes out, maybe. But again, this is just saddening and especially whenever it's like finals week for a lot of people in college. People were going to take their finals or were in the process of taking their finals, and next thing you know, you have to deal with someone shooting up your university. 
and you have to stop taking the finals and you have to get like escorted out of the building just to make sure that you're safe and you're okay. And now your whole mindset is all warped and now all that's just out the woodworks. I don't think anybody took their finals, to be honest. I don't know how any university can allow people to even take finals after that. I think you just pass people after that because nobody's mind is going to be focusing on their paper or their work after that. I think people are going to be focusing on, okay, we just had a situation or a close call a day before. What about the next day? So I think a lot of these people probably got, like, passing uh, grades for their exam. I mean, but still, that's a lot of fear that you have, especially at a real tense time like that on finals week. That's uh, devastating. That's still crazy to hear. But again, um, I want to wish condolences to the family members that lost uh, families over at that University of Las Vegas shooting. And uh, I hope that the students that are going to attend University of Las Vegas or that were attending, I hope they don't have any type of um, trauma from this instance in the future. So that's all I got to say for that topic. Now, moving on to the next topic here, I want to talk about Ethan Crumley. For the ones that are not aware about Ethan Crumley, Ethan Crumley was a teenager, well, 15 at the time when he did a school shooting in 2021. He's 17 now. Uh, He pleaded guilty to all the charges that he was facing, and this past week, he was sentenced to life without the possibility of parole. Ethan Crumley, he murdered four students at Oxford High in Michigan and injuring seven others in the rampage he carried out with a gun that his parents bought him as an early Christmas present. So I'm reading this from USA Today. They would print out this article. Um, They would say that the judge that was residing over this case noted that Crumley himself was not asking for a term of years, even though his lawyers did. The judge noted that Crumley's extensive planning and his stated desire for notoriety. He said Crumbly had numerous opportunities to change course and had, in effect, executed classmates and said the court cannot ignore that. During this whole sentencing period, you would hear from various uh, individuals giving their victim impact statements, some from the parents who called for forgiveness and vengeance, uh, one of the parents whose their son was murdered in the school bathroom said, I'm going to ask you to lock this son of a bitch up for the rest of his pathetic life. My son doesn't get a second chance and neither should he. Another father whose son was also killed in the school shooting addressed Ethan criminally. He would tell him, we're all cried out. We're the prisoner, not you. Believe me, we will never forget about you ever We need to find a way to find forgiveness, forgiveness to you, forgiveness to your parents, forgiveness to the school, whatever. What other choice do we have? Now, with Ethan Crumley being sentenced for a life without parole, he's out the way. Now we're on to the mother and father. They're both charged with involuntary manslaughter. They will be going to trial in January, so we have that to look forward to there. Again, this whole thing was sad when you know about the story about Ethan Crumbly and the day that happened with that whole school shooting deal and how the parents could have taken him out of the schoolhouse before all this crazy crap happened and they didn't. This just makes this whole thing more sad because Ethan Crumbly, yes, he is a killer. He will be now labeled as a killer. That's already said and done. But he was a man or a teenager that had problems and he had in a lack of a better sense of a word bad parents that didn't want to help him out in this instance so with them not helping him we have multiple kids dead we have people that were injured from this we have trauma that people will be living through and now the parents also themselves they have to face uh face the crap that they did because i feel that they should have took their kid out of the school. I think every parent will say that now when you see the results of the situation, every parent will say, yeah, he should have been taken out. Yeah, well, there was no reason for him not to be taken out. There's no way that he shouldn't have been taken out. That's crazy. 
So with Ethan not been taken out of school, we now know the ramifications of what did happen, and now his parents will have to be facing the consequences for it too. And again, I think that's the right course of action. Again, they'll be going to trial in January. I'll be waiting to see what's going to happen there. I'll be keeping everybody up to date about what's going to happen when their court case does happen. And uh, again, I'm just glad that well, at least one part of the saga is done. We do know Ethan Crumley will be in jail for the uh, life without parole. And I had to look that up just to make sure because we got different variations of what life without parole, life with parole means. I looked it up and what they say is life without parole means that you're in there just period. You're in there. So Ethan Crumley, he'll be spending the rest of his time uh, in jail until he dies. So that's the end of this topic until we get to his parents. Now, moving on to the next topic that I do want to talk about. I want to talk about a viral video that was floating around this past week. It's of a black man that was getting tased by a white officer. This happened in Alabama. In the video, you will see a white woman officer who was named uh, Dana Elmore. And the black man that is in this video that's being tased, his name is Mecca Washington. In the video, you can see him being handcuffed. She takes a gun out of his pocket you can see that he says something to her, but she ends up tasing him in the back. And my man starts like screaming and shouting for a minute, but then he starts like wallowing up and you hear how he's like trying to hold back tears in his voice. And you can see in the video, the woman just act big and bold with him as she's tasing him in the back and he's trying to just stand still. She's like, oh, you had a lot of mouth. Um, Ultimately, he would get booked. They would place his bond at $505,000. They would try to say that he would be charged with obstructing uh, governmental operations, resisting arrest, marijuana possession, and ex-felon in possession of a firearm. Um, he was also charged with trafficking fentanyl, but the charge and its accompanying $500,000 bond was dropped after further testing showed the substance in his possession was not the opioid. Uh, Mecca Washington's attorney, Leroy Maxwell, paid the remaining $5,000 for his release on December 5th and said that Washington was changing a tire when the officer pulled over and asked for his identification. You can kind of guess what happened there next. Um, they do say that Mecca Washington's lawyer plans to file a $20 million lawsuit on Washington's behalf. And you know what? They should. Because there was no reason and no way why you should uh, get at someone because they're changing a tire. Now, here's my thing with this. If you're being nosy and you're an officer, you can ask, hey, what you doing? I'm changing a tire. If you want them out of your way, guess what you do? You help them out with the tire. You hurry up and get them doing what they're supposed to do. And you send them about their way with a new change tire. That's what you want to do. But no. This woman right here, apparently she wanted to be a jackass because I don't know how on God's green do we get from someone changing a tire to you ending up arresting the person who's changing a tire. Now, it's different if him and the person that he was in the car with were having an argument and then you pull over and you try to de-escalate the argument that they're having. That's one thing. But changing a tire, no. Um, I just don't see it. As I mentioned, or I didn't mention, one of the two, uh, Dana Elmer, she has been, well, she's been on leave, administrative leave. So I'm not certain if they're paying her or not paying her. Only thing I do know is this. This is complete and utter hogwash to me personally. I don't like the fact that she can even leave the precinct. I think she should have been arrested off that. But again, we're dealing with police officers and there's already a stigma with that. With when a police does something, they always get like administrator leave or paid leave because there's an investigation going and all that type of stuff. If you've seen the video, I don't see how this woman's not on like how she's not arrested or fired. There's no way how she should just be on administrative leave. There should be none of that. I don't believe in the whole uh, we got to do an eternal investigation. I don't believe in none of that because a lot of officers usually get away with that. Whenever there's their whole administrative leave, whenever they're doing a whole, we're doing an investigation ourselves. A lot of officers get off with doing some of the most heinous stuff and they always go back with that whole, we're doing a investigation, internal investigation. There's always that and I don't like it. 
And again, I have not seen one officer come to speak out about this situation at all. And this is why a lot of these officers get into predicaments themselves. This is why they wonder why a lot of people don't like officers. They wonder why people have a lot of uh, stigmas against officers. It's because of crap like this. You guys sit back and just stay quiet about someone getting brutalized. I don't care who it is, whether it's a black person, a Hispanic person, uh, anybody. You guys usually just sit back and usually shut your mouths. Y'all don't say nothing. Y'all don't come out and say, hey, yo, that was wrong. Uh, this person shouldn't be on the force. Y'all usually just be quiet. The only time of recent time that I can say you guys at least said something was when the woman, uh, there was an incident where a man was in his car. He got pulled over because something was dangling off of his, uh, God, what is it? They say your tail, not tail light, your, uh, God, your back window or some kind of crap where you usually, where people used to hang their old, uh, air fresheners whatever mess would it be. And the man gets pulled over. The woman goes over to the car. He tries to drive away. She ends up shooting him. She says she meant to grab her taser. She tried to shoot her with her taser, but she ended up shooting her with his, her gun. Long story less long, there were officers that did come out and say, hey, yo, I don't understand how she said that she didn't know that she grabbed her gun instead of her taser because a taser weighs less than a gun. So I don't know what she's talking about. That's the only time a recent memory that I could see where officers did, like, say something. But out of all the times before then and even after then, I have not seen officers come out and say anything. This is one of the cases where officers should have came out and said something like, yo, she needs to be fired or she needs to be arrested, something like that. But I haven't seen none of that yet. Hopefully they do within these next couple of days. And I do hope that this quote-unquote internal investigation pops up with something instead of absolute nothing. But... I'll be waiting on that, personally. But I do hope Mecca Washington does get $20 million from this. I really do, because you got to hurt them in the pockets. That's the only way a lot of people ever understand, is whenever you hurt them in the pockets. Because once they do that, then guess what? You're taking money away from their funds. You're taking away money away from all these other organizations that the police might be organized with and dealing with. And if you do that, then guess what? They have to look at that specific officer who put them in money debt or now have money being taken out of their funds or foundations. You got to look at that specific officer and say, you doofus. What did you do? Look at all the crap that we are into because of you. This is the only way you can actually hurt these people. So hopefully... I hope he gets the $20 million so they can actually look at this officer and hopefully get her out of here. That's what I'm hoping for. But we'll wait and see. Now, on to the next topic here that I do want to talk about, only briefly. Um, this comes from the Wall Street Journal. They would say that a Texas judge grants pregnant woman's request for abortion. As we do know, Texas, they kind of have a problem with the whole abortion stuff. You're not supposed to be getting an abortion. I believe they even put that into a law somewhere in Texas, but... A Texas judge did grant an emergency a request Thursday permitting a pregnant woman whose fetus has a fatal diagnosis to get an abortion in that state. Lawyers representing Kate Cox, a 31-year-old pregnant mother of two, filed a lawsuit Tuesday asking the court to forbid Texas officials from prosecuting medical professionals who provide her with an abortion. The case appears to be the first time a pregnant woman has sought court intervention obtain an abortion since the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade in June of 2022, leading more than a dozen states to ban nearly all abortions. As I said, so that's what we have here. Um, it would say that Cox did visit her doctor. The doctor told her that um, continuing her pregnancy would affect her health and fertility. So that's the reason why the uh, Texas mother visited the emergency room several times during her pregnancy. So now she's trying to get an abortion. They end up granting her one. So that's that. And this proves to you why nobody should tell anyone what they should do with their body. This is the reason right here. Because if something's going to affect someone's health and their fertility going into the future, sometimes an abortion is needed. And again, this is the reason why dudes... More importantly, in, like, those high-seated offices, the politicians and all that, they should not have a word or say in the woman's body. 
as I said, only the person that should have a say is the woman and the person that got the woman pregnant. That's a conversation between them. But other than that, there should be no outside like people trying to tell someone about that. Or, you know, she get abortion, not an abortion. That's between that person and their partner, whoever they got knocked up, or that's it. Other than that, this should not be a government intervention with messing around with a woman's uh, vagina and all that type of stuff. That's, that's not my business. That's nobody else's business. So, again, I told you this was going to be real brief, but this is the first time that uh, this whole thing has come to pass with Texas, and the Texas just granted it. So I'm glad that this woman was able to get an abortion. At least that's what we're seeing right now. So, yeah, if any woman is going to basically be risking their lives or have their life be risked because of, them, of a pregnancy, sometimes you have to get an abortion. That's just what it is. Now, on to an update of a previous uh, topic that I talked about, I believe, some months ago. It was about a pilot who shut off the passenger jets on an airplane flight in October. Anyway, he was indicted this past Tuesday by a grand jury in Oregon on seven dozen lesser state charges than the initial attempted murder charges. Prosecutors originally sought Joseph David Emerson, 44, who told authorities he was on a magic mushrooms and struggled with depression and lack of sleep when the incident occurred, was indicted on 83 misdemeanor counts of recklessly endangering another person and one felony count of first-degree endangering aircraft, uh, the district attorney's office said in that statement, as this comes from CBS News. Emerson was initially taken into custody on 83 counts of attempted murder and one count of reckless endangerment to an aircraft, all to which he previously pleaded not guilty. He is also facing a separate case in federal court in which he is charged with a single count of interfering with flight crew members and attendants. So that's an update on that situation. He is no longer being charged with murder, which again, I don't see how this guy isn't being charged with murder. I understand there's some type of legal ramifications about how murder usually, I think murder is like you got to uh, plan this thing out or have pre-planned. This guy wasn't pre-planning any of this. He was on some psychedelics. I understand like, again, yeah, this is the whole legal reworking of certain things, but if people would have went down and this plane would have crashed, and somehow by a miraculous case, this guy would have lived, and they would have found out the situation, they would have called him a murderer. There's no if, ands, or but about it. So him having the attempted murder charges being on him at the first, when they first arrested him, it made sense to me. But now since they dropped it down to uh, misdemeanors of recklessly uh, endangering another person, yo dog, again, there's a lot of things in the law that they reword things and that you got to understand. This just happens to be one of them. Me, I would be pissed if I was a person on that plane. You change this thing from mur attempted murder to recklessly endangering. No, dog, that's more than recklessly endangering. You tried to have us die. But, hey, the prosecution will do what they got to do, and that's about it. I still think he's going to go down. I think he's going to be called guilty or he's going to plead all guilty to these because there's no way you're going to be found like not guilty of any of these things. If we're going to be completely honest. If he is, I will be completely shocked. But again, we'll see about that whenever uh, his court date gets affirmed. But that's, again, I just wanted to bring you up an update on that topic here. Now on to some money topics here. The first one I'll talk about is coming from NBC News. The title would read, over $239 million worth of cocaine, including from a narco submarine seized in the Pacific last month. Over nine tons of cocaine from six separate drug smuggling events were seized last month and offloaded in San Diego on Wednesday, authorities said. The cocaine has an estimated street value of more than $239 million. It was recovered off the coast of Mexico. Central America and South America by two U.S. Coast Guard ships in November, the USCG said in a press release. The largest seizure, weighing more than 5,500 pounds, was recovered by Coast Guard Cutter on November 20th. It was found on a narco submarine. Okay, so they have 5,500 pounds of that pure 
white substance and they say that it's worth 239 million i know i will be flipping a lid right now if you mean to tell me my stuff got found and it's seized and i don't get nothing out of that i will be flipping i'll be living this is one way this is one thing that i can never understand people make these big and i mean big supplies of uh, drugs. At one point, it was marijuana, and they had a problem with that, with marijuana being trafficking around. Uh, cocaine has always been a thing. I mean, dude, those were the prime two things, but now some marijuana is being legalized about everywhere in America. Not everywhere yet, but it's almost there. Marijuana is kind of like off the board now. Now, just like cocaine is like the thing thing. But since uh, cocaine is not the last like, thing that hasn't been, like, legalized yet, at least in the narcotics field, I would be very, very upset if I made a big litany of cocaine. And I was, had this whole operation, I had this whole thing planned out. Hey, yo, you're gonna take this here, that there, we're gonna put this on a submarine, we're gonna do this here, and get it all out there. And you are expecting this, your product to make it where it's supposed to make it. You're supposed to sell it. You're supposed to get back a buku amount of money. You know they're gonna people are gonna take their cut, but you're gonna get back a lot of money. And now you don't make no money. You don't make nothing because your shipment gets captured. I would be flipping. I would be livid. That's one reason how I don't understand drug dealers. To be completely honest, I don't understand how they can do it because your whole business operation is all about not getting caught. And if your people get caught and your stuff gets seized, that is money and product literally down the down the tube. And now you're going to get pissed off with everyone in your whole operation, in your whole field. There is nobody that's going to tell me that the people in your operation isn't going to be feeling that anger, that seizure, that whole like burning in you, you're going to be yelling and kicking and flipping at everything, especially $239 million worth of product being down the tube and being seized. And now, if anything, they can start planting and putting things and connecting the dots to get to you. Oh my God, I would be livid right now. So let that be a lesson to anyone that's out there wanting to do, uh, a drug business or wanting to sell any type of drug, please don't do it. If you do it, be smart about it. Be extremely smart. I'm not saying for you to do it. I'm just being completely honest with you. If you're going to do it, be extremely smart. You got to know all the ins and outs and all these type of things, these routes. Even then, your route still might be trash because your stuff might still get picked up by somebody else, whether it be the feds or someone that's going to be rivaling you and just take your stuff there's a whole lot of things that go into the whole drug game i don't see how people do it but again it is what it is out there but 239 million dollars worth of product being taken oh my god i'll be sick i'll be living there'll be no way people in my organization wouldn't hear that from me there'll be no way but again that's the risk that you take with that so anybody in the drug game please be careful please uh know your routes and uh that's all i gotta say about that now, on to the next thing. Uh, CNN will report that former Jacksonville Jaguars employee accused of stealing more than $22 million from NFL team to fund lavish lifestyle. Here we go with another idiot. Um, they would say that the court filing says Amit Patel used the money to fund online gambling, pay for private travel and accommodations for himself and friends, as well as sporting tickets, acquire a new Tesla car, Nissan pickup truck, purchase cryptocurrency, and buy property in Florida. He is also alleged to have bought a watch worth over $95,000, paying the entire price with proceeds of his fraud scheme. According to the court documents, Patel is accused of wire fraud and illegal monetary transaction, stealing millions via the team's virtual credit card system over a four-year period. Patel is accused of stealing the money from an organization referred to as Business A, but the Jaguars confirmed to CNN Sports that they had employed Patel and were the victim of his alleged crime.
crimes. We can confirm that in February 2023, the team terminated the employment of the individual named in the filing, the team said in a statement sent to CNN. So there you go. Uh, they would give a timeline. They would say that uh, from between September 2019 and February 2023, he was with the team, but he was fired by the team because of his scheme. They would say that to hide his uh, transactions, the defendant identified legitimate reoccurring transactions such as catering, airfare, and hotel charges, and then duplicated those transactions according to court documents. He inflated the amounts of legitimate reoccurring transactions. He entered completely fictitious transactions that might sound plausible, but that never actually occurred, and he moved legitimate chargers from upcoming months into the month of the interrogation file that was immediately due to the accounting department. So my man was really moving and cooking the books just so he can live a very good lifestyle. This was an idiot. Oh my God, dog. Probably about a million, you could at least get a little slap on the wrist or something. But 22 million, my God, you were being glutton. You were being a complete glutton, my dude. What was up with you? You work for an NFL team. You don't take money like that. You don't take $22 million in overtime. Think about that. That's from, what, 2019 to early 2023? By math calculations, that's what? Literally three years and a couple months? You don't do all that. That's not what you do. You, you don't do that much stealing. If you're going to take money, and again, I'm not a, I am not, and I'm going to repeat this real loud and clear when I say this, I am not an expert in this. I'm just saying from what I've seen from televisions and what I've seen from movies, when you take that much money in that short amount of time, you are setting off the alarms to the operation that you are working for. For you to want to keep it low and make sure you do not get picked up on, you don't take that much money. You do it slow and steady over big, large periods of time. But you always got to know your goal at hand to say, okay, I'm only going to take out a million dollars from this company because they won't really miss this a million dollars. You do that. You don't say, okay, I'll take this much out. Okay, I didn't get caught. Okay, I'll take this much out. Okay, I didn't get caught. Okay, now let's get more uh, stupid with it. Okay, I'll start taking this much out. Okay, I still didn't get caught. No, you are being an idiot. You are racking up more money onto your bill. That's basically like a credit card to me. They said this was a credit card, a virtual credit card. But for me, when I see him, that's $22 million. That's insane. As I said, you don't take that much to start off. You take a little if you're going to do it. And again, I'm not a professional like this, so don't take my words to heart when I say this. I'm just saying this as a person that's an outsider that watches from movies and television and I've seen it from other people that have taken from other individuals. And I'm saying this because I talked about uh, Kevin Hart's guy who used to do Kevin Hart shopping and all this type of stuff. Kevin Hart had to deal with this about his shopper taking money from him and all this type of stuff and putting charges on his credit card. Kevin Hart had to deal with this, I believe, what, a year or two ago? So, again, I'm just speaking from looking at those, that type of story and other stories before. You don't take that much stuff in this short amount of time. You only take a little bit at a time if you don't plan to get caught. This guy, he seen that he was extremely too greedy and greedy uh, Tennessee ended up biting him right in the ass. So now, huh, he has been accused of stealing more than $22 million, and I'm pretty sure he don't got none of that to back it up. So he's going to have to really uh, fork over whatever he can. For me, homeboy will have to work for me until the day he dies, or at least to the day that he can repay that stuff back up. He'll be having to do real arbitrage stuff. I mean, like cleaning, being like a field worker, like work on the... NFL field being like a practice dummy that ends up getting tackled by the football players. I'll be finding my man some real hard working stuff to make him really like feel the effects of you stealing money from me, stealing money from my organization. But again, 
We'll find out if they end up doing that down the line. I think they should, but we'll see about that, what the whole uh, repercussions for this guy is going to be. But I just want to bring that up to you guys. Again, just like I said with the uh, drug whole situation of being smart, please be smart with this. If you plan on trying to take money from someone, at least be smart about it. Don't be too greedy like man over here. Now, next up, I want to talk about 50 Cent. 50 Cent apparently is developing a documentary on the Diddy allegations as it's come from Variety, and he vows to donate proceeds to the sexual assault uh, victims. After news of a fourth allegation of sexual assault against Puff was revealed, 50 Cent announced on X, formerly Twitter, on Thursday that proceeds from his upcoming documentary about Sean Combs will go to victims of sexual violence. G-Unit Film and Television will be producing the un- uh, titled film. He would say that, as I said, on Twitter, and apparently there was a clip of the documentary that showed with it, and he said in the footage, uh, former Bad Boy Records rapper Mark Curry describes the dangerous party scenes allegedly encouraged by Combs and his entourage, specifically recalling how Combs would spike bottles of champagne at his parties for women to drink from. Curry said the women were not aware they were being drugged and became really, really slippery. Here's my thing with this. 50 Cent, he can say whatever he wants about Puff because 50 has been trying to get people to understand who Puff truly is because 50 has been on various radio stations in previous years talking about his um, situations with Puff and parties and all this type of stuff. Trust me, there's multiple clips. You can go on YouTube and just type it up and you'll see it. So I can give 50 this um, pass on making this documentary and talking about it because he has a standard record of saying these type of things. Same thing with Aubrey O'Day from Danny DeCane. She's been talking publicly for mad long about Puff and people didn't want to listen and hey, now it's all starting to come out. Again, this is all allegations. We don't know if Puff did do what he's been accused of, so take that with the allegations as well. But all these other people, I go back to it and what I've said previously, all these other people that have kept their mouth shut for all this time, and now all these things are coming out that they knew about Puff for all these many years. Now they're starting to say something. I just don't think that's going to work out good for you. Again, 50, he can say these things, and he can make a documentary about it, because guess what? He's 50 Cent. Nobody in rap can mess with 50 like that, because 50 is always able to handle business. He's able to handle legitimate business, as in white collar, A, get my shows up and ready, get partnerships with all these different uh, TV companies and all these type of things. He's able to handle that part of business, but he's also able to handle street and internet business by always taking time out of his day just to uh, not even say attack, but to go after someone that has either done him wrong, owe him money, or he has a personal vendetta against them. He's always able to do that every day. And if not every day, he makes it be known about every week who he probably doesn't like. So, 50, he can get away with this. All these other individuals that are going to be a part of this documentary, I'm not so certain of. Please be careful. Again, you know the allegation with 50, not 50, but what Puff has been accused of. Please be careful. I'm not saying things are going to happen to you. But if you are a believer of what some of the things Puff has been accused of, I will say just be careful. That's all I got to say about that. Again, 50, he can do whatever he wants because he's 50 cent. But all you others, I'll say, please uh, be careful of yourselves. Now, on to my last thing that I do want to talk about here. Amy Robach and TJ Holmes, they did come out with their own podcast this uh, past week. I listened to it, and they detailed um, their time of when they got basically booted off of Good Morning America, ABC. And I would say go check it out. I would say go listen to it if you cared about that story, the way that it was dominated, what at the beginning of this year, late last year, if you really wanted to hear from them, I would say go listen to it. Um, there was a detail in there that apparently TJ Holmes, he probably take a little bit too much edibles and that he scared his girlfriend, Amy Robach at one point because she tried to get in contact with him. He just couldn't uh, get in contact with him. She got so scared that she had to find him and try to wake him up and all that type of stuff. But as you can tell, TJ Holmes, he's still alive. He's still kicking. So they're still good, but they're good. I'm surprised how they're not back on a news station right now or back on TV, to be completely honest, because in their whole episode, they did even 
talk about how they did nothing wrong, how they were separating from their respective spouses when they got together in the summer of last year and they didn't go against company policy. They did everything by the book and all that type of stuff. And the only thing that they missed was telling someone in a high position about them, quote unquote, dating. That's the only thing that they missed. That's the only thing that I took out of that episode. So again, it's crazy to see that. And I'm surprised they're not back on TV, but I still wish the best for Amy Robach and TJ Holmes because I don't think what they did was completely wrong, especially if they were already separated from their respective spouses. And now knowing what we know now, apparently their own respective spouses are starting to date each other. So Amy Robach's ex and TJ Holmes' ex are quote unquote dating each other. They've been spotted taken uh, out and about being photographed together. Again, I'm not certain that this is just a way to kind of like step on the Amy Holmes, TJ Holmes, well, Amy Robach, TJ Holmes uh, podcast or all that type of stuff. I'm not certain that this is just a way for them to step on it. I'm not certain of it. I wouldn't put it past spouses that are probably angry to get that and pull this type of move. I wouldn't put it past them, but I don't know. Again, I don't think TJ Holmes and Amy Robach, they did something like wrong. If they, apparently they went by the rule, but they didn't uh, break any type of rules within their own company policy. I don't think they should have got sacked, but hey, man, each company will do what they want to do. But again, listen to TJ and Amy, their podcast. They just started that up. I want to know what they're going to be talking about. They talked about how they had some supporters who they didn't have supporters from. They never named who didn't support them. They did name that uh, Sarah Haynes was a supporter. She texted up Amy Robach. Uh, just to make sure she's okay and they're okay. And they did say that hoping that Sarah doesn't get fired because of this, because again, they don't know how many people actually still rock with them in ABC right now because of their situation. But hey, man, I still don't see what they did wrong. I still don't see how they got fired from their job, but hey, man, it is what it is. Again, uh, respect, love, light to Amy Robot, TJ Holmes, and their spouses, since apparently their spouses are dating now. So again, hopefully everything can be Cool and copacetic and uh Amy Robach TJ Holmes to be back on TV sometimes because they mentioned how they were in the television business for over 20 some odd years. That's crazy. And now you're not, you became the news yourself. That's crazy. That's insane. Get these people back on TV, man. It's not that serious. Get them back on. Now, having said that, is there anything else that I do want to talk about? Nope. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, Jonathan Majors, his trial just started this past week. His girlfriend, ex-girlfriend was on uh the Stan, this past week, she read some text messages. She gave her side. I believe Jonathan Majors, he'll probably up on, be up on the stand, what, this upcoming week? Maybe. I'm not certain. I'll keep my eye on it. There's nothing really to really talk about it, to be completely honest with you right now. It's just her side. I want to get his side, and I'll do a comparison of each, and because I'm pretty sure we'll find the truth in between it. But, uh, yeah, and all at the end of the day, it's all going to be about what Marvel has to say about it, because if... He gets found guilty. Marvel's going to drop him. If he doesn't get found guilty, Marvel was going to keep him. But again, I can't wait to see what Jonathan Majors has to say on the stand, because if it was up to me, I'll probably be fighting back. But we got to wait and see about that. Um, But yeah, that's about it for that. Is there anything else I want to talk about? Nope. It's time for me to get you guys out of here. It's time for self-promotion a little bit. If you guys did not listen to my midweek episode is available to you right now. I talk about New York City and how they're trying to propose a toll in New York. And I think that's going to ruin New York and especially get people being sent out of New York and within the next couple of years. So if you want to listen to that, that episode is available to you right now. And also, if you watch professional wrestling, I talk about that every Saturday, the wrestling highlights of the week. It is available to you right now. And also, WWE had a pay-per-view or premium live event last night for their developmental brand NXT. It was Deadline. I have a review of that up right now, I believe, at least at the time you're listening to this. Um, so if you did not watch that event, go and listen to my review that's available to you right now. And I think that's all the self-promotion. Now it's time for me to get you guys out of here. I wanted to say thank you to all the podcast sites that are available right now that have me up there. Apple, Google, Amazon, Podbean, Spotify, all these other ones, because without them, I wouldn't be able to get this podcast out to you guys, the listeners. So I want to say thank them. And I also want to thank you guys, the listeners, because without you guys, I would be one guy talking into a mic, into a black void. And that's about it. So I want to say thank you, humbly thank you so much. Now, with that being said, always remember, I love you, I love you, I love you.
I do love you guys. That is not a gimmick. I truly do mean that. I appreciate every single one of you because I see from the download and from where it's coming from every single day, every single week. I appreciate it so much. Um, as I said, midweek episode, we'll be back Wednesday. Uh, Wrestling House of the Week will be dropping next Saturday. And also, as usual, Sunday episodes where I talk about everything in the news. It'll be available to you next Sunday. Now, with that being said, this has been my Two Cents Podcast presented by G2. He is I and I am him. I love you all. This is a goodbye. This is until you hear from the sweet sounding voice again. I'll see you guys later. Have a great week. And Kanye, could you please take these people home? I'm tired. You tired. Uh-huh. Jesus wept. Uh-huh.